0: Welcome back to another episode of Lakers Explained, a podcast at I am Christian Rivas here with Harrison Fagan. Harrison, no basketball yet. I believe it's been exactly
1: 70 days since, since the NBA last played a game of basketball. I believe you wrote 69 in your story today, <laughs> and by the time... By the time this is posted... Okay, well, days. I was... Because I saw that, and I was like, I don't know if he's, like, trying to make, like, a joke yet. Like, I was like... <laughs> I literally spent five minutes looking for the nice, like, joke in there somewhere.
0: Oh, just no. Just to try
1: and make sure that you were not trying to sneak that into a hard news story. Harrison, um, I am a professional all <laughs> things, so... <laughs>
0: but it is... Uh, we did get some nice news, if that's what you want to call it, on Monday from California Governor Gavin Newsom... Um, And I think it's it's a little premature to call it good news because there it is reliant on a few things happening. Uh, But Gavin Newsom, during his news conference on Monday, said, quote, sporting events, pro sports in that first week or so of June without spectators and modifications and very prescriptive conditions also can begin to move forward. And a number of other sectors of our economy will open up again if we hold these trend lines in the next number of weeks. I think he's bearing the lead a little bit there because right after that, he said uh, like haircuts would also be included. And Harrison, just based solely on the fact that you and I are both wearing
1: hats while we're recording, I think that's uh, (laughs) one thing you and I are looking forward to. Well, I was going to, I mean, honestly, I, uh, you know, I always wear my Lakers fedora when we're podcasting. It's the (laughs) podcast fedora. So that's, nothing's changed for me. And Christian, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about old age is uh, the benefit of like a receding hairline is that haircuts are not as big of an issue for you. (laughs) No, I, trust me. I know I look
0: like I have a full head of curly hair, but the underneath those curls is just a, a hairline that just keeps receding. Every day, it seems like. Just, you really weren't born to be a blogger. Exactly. I, I agree. <laughs> but what, what do you make of this news? Because my first reaction, as I said in the Slack, was, all right, here we go. Here it comes. And then I realized <laughs> the Lakers
1: are going to be playing basketball games in California anyway,
0: as far as we know.
1: Yeah, so I mean that that's the big one. So in the spirit of this show's name, I will let me explain to you, Christian, uh why your initial slack thought was wrong. Um <laughs> you know, mansplain me? Yeah, I'm gonna hand yeah. you No, I'm gonna I'm gonna blog explain you. Uh, <laughs> and like, number one is exactly what you said. I, I think that it's extremely unlikely that that's going to matter for the NBA specifically. Like, I think that that does matter for some sports. Like, we saw baseball. Their players' union seem pretty against, like, the bubble idea and all of that stuff. So they fought back pretty hard on that. It seems like the MLB's latest thing is, like, they're going to try and play in some ballparks, like, as many as they can, just with no fans. So for, like, baseball, that makes a difference. For football, mm-hmm. that's going to make a difference because I feel like the NFL, regardless of, like, state laws and other things, is just going to have it season like we're like no matter what anyone like there's no one that's going to tell the like cops are going to show up and try and stop and they're going to be like wait but we had a game schedule we're gonna <laughs> like we're gonna play um, but for the Lakers specifically in the, and California basketball teams as a whole and, like, the NBA, I don't think this makes that big of a difference. It really seems like all of the momentum is heading towards a Las Vegas, Orlando-style bubble idea of some kind. So, like, as far as basketball coming back here, like, maybe that makes a difference in the training facilities being open and, like, being able to have group practices. Yeah. But it seems like that is more of a, like— lakers and nba trying to be careful about that than it is a regulation as far as like letting people in the buildings for that so uh, maybe it makes a difference there but overall like that to me um like i I just don't think that it really moves the needle a ton one way or the other even if it's like maybe a good sign at the very least
0: yeah and that's where i'm at too i I do imagine it impacts other leagues more than it will the nba but i do think once the Lakers get that okay from uh, the governor, that they probably will start holding group workouts again. And and, and if it's California that's giving them the green light, you have to imagine that other states will just follow in their footsteps. And at that point, the NBA would have a better shot of setting up a preseason training camp and and getting teams, whether it's all 30 teams or just the 16 teams that are slotted in, in the postseason right now, uh, it, it it really sounds like if all goes well between now and June, the NBA will start making serious movement towards starting the season. Uh, do, do you agree with that assessment or do you still think we're a few months away?
1: I, I think the big caveat there is like – The ifs and the coulds in both the way that you phrase that and the way that Newsom phrased it especially, like, I I did not count exactly how many there were. But there were quite a few, like, ifs, Hmm. coulds, you know, if this happens, this could happen type thing where, like, those are doing a lot of work in those sentences because, as we've seen, I think people are impatient to open up. And, like, I, you know, I obviously hope that that does not lead to a rise in infections, but, uh, like, I think that there, you know, we have to acknowledge that that's a possibility. And so, like, yeah. if that happens, then – obviously sports are not the biggest concern anymore at that point but like does that like that could be the type of thing that sets back these efforts to bring sports back and like things of that nature so i, I think that like the those are big ifs and we it still remains to be seen the path that this virus is going to take just because it's so new to human history like we just none of us like everyone all they can do is make educated guesses right. and you know like we just we just don't know anything for sure even if we're pretty sure we know some things so i think like that those that's the big caveat there and as far as like when the nba season will return it really seems like i mean like jared dudley is obviously like not the primary decision maker on when the nba season comes back although that would be like kind of (laughs) hilarious if it was just like coming down to jared dudley setting the public policy there but like he has been so confident and he's on these calls where the players and like the like the players unions talking or where the league is talking to the players. And he's been so optimistic and like like uh like certain that the NBA is coming back in July. It's just going to happen. I, I wrote up the interview that he did on Spectrum. I'm not sure if you caught that over the weekend where he was basically outlining all the reasons that the players are now starting to come around on doing this, even the ones on losing teams yeah. like, you know there is just, it's not just about this season. Like, number one, there's probably not going to be a vaccine by next year. And so next season is going to be impacted. They're going to have to figure out a way to be safe. And also, like, there's the reality that the NBA, a ton of its revenue comes from these playoff games. And so if they not only cancel the season and lose out on that revenue because of the contracts, but then they also don't get that playoff revenue coming in. Like, obviously, you're not going to get playoff gate revenue, but you're going to get playoff broadcast revenue, all of that stuff. If all of that's gone, in addition to a lot of these regular season contracts that's going to severely impact the uh like BRI of the league which then affects the cap and then is this is like kind of a long-winded path to getting here but then that affects even the players who are not on playoff teams and who yeah. who like, anyone who wants to play next season, there's going to be less money available for you to kind of get that money and get paid. Like, it would completely destroy the free agent, most of the free agents this year. I'm pretty sure that it would, like, it would uh, affect, like, pro on a prorated basis, the pay of players on current contracts. Like, that's the motivation for these guys to go back and play. I'm sure all of them want to keep their family safe and make sure that it's a safe plan, and the majority of them would be willing to walk away if it came down to that. But, like, I think there is a lot of... You Know, uh, like there's a lot of motivation for these guys to figure out a way that, that they at least can justify or feel that it's safe to give this a shot,
0: yeah. And I thought it, it, uh, among those concerns is, um, you know, of course, the staff that is, you know, in the age that is most at risk, um, the people on staff that are 65 or older, but you also have somebody like Larry Nance jr. Who was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at a very young age. Uh, and he on, on Monday had talked about, you know, his concerns with the season returning. And, uh, I had never thought about that before. Cause the first people you always think of are the staffs and the, and the coaches that have older people on, you know, on their payroll, but you know, there are, uh, Specific cases like like somebody like Larry Nance Jr. who who is at risk because of because of a disease he got when he was really young. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and there, I I think hurdles like that are just going to keep popping up until the season starts officially. So I think there's going to be compromises made. I don't know if everybody will agree with them, but for the most part, it sounds like the NBA will be back. And what's even crazier is that we're well, supposed to
1: just sorry just to expand yep. on that but there's a lot of questions there's just a lot of questions that have to be answered in general like in addition to the players with pre-existing conditions and the team staffers there's also a lot of refs are older like it started right. to get younger over the last couple of years like a lot of the really like the guys that have been with the nba forever have started to age out and go into different positions but they're older refs there's also like the cleaning crews and like the staffers that like the low-paid like staffers at either disney or in vegas that would be required to do this are they all getting quarantined in the bubble as well or are they going home to their families? In which case, like, how safe is that? Does that introduce risk of bringing it into the bubble? Like, I, there's just, like, there's so many. And in addition to the coaches, general managers, executives, scouts, you know, whoever, obviously, training staffs, teams are going to be, like, bare bones on this stuff, no matter what happens when they come back. But, like, there, there's no way to do this without risk. I think it's just going to be a matter of mitigating it. But it's also not as simple as, like, not that you're doing this, but I think that, like, a straw man argument has become, like, these guys are young they're healthy they're all going to be fine like there's Larry Nance Jr. that you mentioned the Cavs obviously like aren't probably going to be in the playoffs but I'm sure that he's not the only player with a pre-existing condition on just the Lakers roster, Javale McGee has asthma, right. and I, I think that there's mixed science on whether or not, like a lot of the things, there's a lot that they don't know about how asthma. It's like inconclusive on whether or not it makes you worse off for this. And uh, but like you know, there's some people that are saying that yes, as like a respiratory illness, like it does put you more at risk for this. So there's him. Like I'm sure that there's plenty of other guys, whether we know about them publicly or not, that have pre-existing conditions. Like you can't just say they're young, they're healthy, like it's going to be fine because we don't know. Like that's that's just the bottom line. And the league is going to have to try and figure out ways to eliminate as much risk as possible if they want to come back.
0: Absolutely. Which is why, it, again, there, there's going to be decisions made that I think a lot of people are going to have problems with and justifiably so. Uh, but ultimately, it sounds like there's going to be basketball again. You know, take it for what it is. Um, and what I, what I was saying before is the craziest thing to me. We're in May right now, and at this time specifically, we were supposed to be in the midst of a Lakers and Clippers series. And Harrison, you found a little nugget, or should I say one of our staff writers at Silverstone Girl Sabrina Merchant, found a little nugget that just made me laugh really hard. And I'd like you um, to present it to to our listeners and to me, so I can just hear it again.
1: Yes. So apparently, on uh, Austin Rivers podcast, so today I learned that uh, Austin <laughs> Rivers has a podcast. So, uh, congratulations, Austin. Welcome to the podcasting game. Uh, if you need some tips or tricks, like get it, me and Christian will help you out. Uh, and, you know, because, like, you know, like you, we also don't get along with your dad. So, um, like, <laughs> Uh, He had his his dad, Doc Rivers, on there. And apparently at some point during this podcast, he said that Kawhi, uh, Doc only got fined for tampering with Kawhi. Of course, Doc Rivers got fined for saying that Kawhi was the closest thing to Michael Jordan before free agency even started. While it had been like the Clippers were basically openly tampering with Kawhi already all season by sending Lawrence Frank to just follow him around from arena to arena. I assume to his home, like other places, pretty much anywhere he went um but they like basically were flirting with the tampering, tampering fine all season And then doc said that on an espn broadcast that was that came up i believe right after magic johnson addressed the espn report so like everyone was watching it already um about like his tenure as lakers executive so apparently austin rivers said that uh it was the public pressure of lakers fans that got doc fined for that and you know like I, I don't like to sit here and like toot my own horn on this podcast, but I, I just I'm here to say to all of you listeners, to you Christian, to just everyone involved with this community, we did it. Mission accomplished. Uh, <laughs> we got them. <laughs> we, we can make a difference. Exactly. Like we we can make a difference in this world, and like never let it be said that journalism does not affect change in this world. Because I remember <laughs> when that happened, I was like, should we write about this? And I'm like, yes, we have to hold the powerful to account. And make sure that they get fined an insignificant amount for tampering, and then sign the player anyway, so we did it, Lakers fans. congratulations, and
0: that's journalism one one yeah holding holding people in power accountable so this they is don't honestly get away better with than me.
1: when I placed for a hearst
0: so <laughs> uh, but yeah i I thought that was hilarious, and I think to your credit, I know you said you don't like to toot your horn much, but to your credit, that's basically been your beat on uh our social account at Lakers SBN. Like every time somebody's even a little close to tampering, which you look at some of the things Lakers, the Lakers have gotten tampered for specifically magic. Johnson got tampered for during his time with the Lakers, like that Instagram post that the, the, the comments he made that the bucks then turned into an Instagram post because they thought it was a nice comment about Giannis. Yes,
1: that that was the dumbest Tampering fine in NBA history that magic Johnson said that Giannis was going to win a title in Milwaukee and got (laughs) fined that got the Lakers fined for tampering for that. Like some of the stuff the Lakers did, like, you know, like it was a little ticky tacky, you know, like sometimes the refs are calling a tight game or you get unlucky. Like when the Lakers got fined because Rob Palenka was emailing Paul George's agent or whatever. And then he got mad at the Lakers. And so he like basically gave that to the NBA. I I believe that's what happened if I remember correctly. Um, Then, uh, like, you know, obviously they were tampering and they got caught. So, hey, that's legit. But, like, Magic getting fined for that when the Bucks, as you said, turned it into a social graphic. I'm not saying that the Bucks social media team are the same ones who filed the complaint. But, like, (laughs) it's kind of really like that you know, you can't look at that statement and be like, this is magic tampering with Giannis. It was the dumbest fine ever when Jerry West is able to go out there and say whatever he wants about whatever player. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be. Like, there used to be a dispensation for, like, legends of the game were allowed to kind of talk about, like, current players. Like, if you had played before, it's a little different, and it was looked at differently because promoting the league. Like, of course you're going to get asked about those guys that are coming up after you. And, like, I think that all of these guys should be allowed to do it. But also, like, if the NBA is going to find one of them, you got to be consistent and so like if magic's gonna get fined for that then like you know by the definition of the rule like doc has to get fined for what he said about Kawhi. like i think that both of them are stupid but like if that's the rule then that's the rule you know you can't enforce this stuff inconsistently just because people get mad and scared that the lakers are going to take their players in free agency
0: (laughs) well in the event they ever do Lakers fans are here to check them, we're the watchdogs of the NBA famously, and we're also on the radical side of the spectrum where if if there's a player that's even remotely available in five years' time, you can bet that. Grant Goldberg is going to Photoshop them in a Lakers jersey.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's the Lakers don't need to tamper. They have they have <laughs> us for that. So like we will take care of it and like they can keep their hands clean. And also, like, I think magic, like if Giannis does sign in 2021, I'm not I don't I'm not an expert on tax law, but I feel like he can expense that fine at that point. <laughs> like, I think legally he can go back and get like a tax refund on that.
0: He's just helping small businesses.
1: Yeah, no, he was helping small <laughs> businesses, and it was a work-related expense. So, <laughs> uh, I, God, did that did that Clippers documentary already start?
0: Like, is I think it the out first already? First
1: three episodes are out. Yeah, on Quibi. Yes,
0: that's great. The, I'm, uh,
1: like, I I want to watch that documentary because <laughs> it looks great, but it is the most Clippers thing of all time. The, the definitive documentary of their franchise is on Quibi. That is like not
0: one network like. Did Quibi outbid everyone?
1: Quibi must everyone? have thrown the bag at Chris Paul. Like, Jesus. That's hilarious. Uh,
0: when, we, when we come back from our little break that we're going to take, we'll have some more documentary talk. Uh, specifically, how we would view uh, a Kobe Bryant's Last Dance style documentary. So that, that'll be uh, us when we come back from the break. So Michael Jordan's last dance, as I like to call it, because uh, as much as I really enjoyed that documentary, I I don't think anybody was critical of Michael Jordan in that documentary, other than maybe his teammates. But even then, they went a little. I think
1: Isaiah Thomas hand. kind of alluded to mean things about him <laughs> once or twice. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> but but even then, like it was it was a really good documentary. I enjoyed it, and it and it came to a close on Sunday. But yeah, I think. Any documentary in which Michael Jordan had a say in what went in and what didn't, um, is probably gonna have a ceiling, uh, but or sorry, a floor. But yeah, to the to their credit, the, that floor was very high. And I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Harrison, what did you think about it?
1: I I loved it. And like, I'm I understand the criticisms of it. It's not a traditional documentary. It blurs the lines and like all this stuff and whatever. Like, I get that. But like, we have to be pragmatic here. And the reality is is that Jordan had sign off on this footage. Like, it just was not going to get made without his cooperation. That just was never going to happen. So it's either we have the last five Sundays, which were magical, and it felt like normal again for like two hours, or we just don't and like that if that's what it came down to like i'm I, i'm glad for their lack of journalistic integrity and like to be fair like i also thought that like the director like I thought that within the bounds of that, obviously, there were certain things that, like, they weren't going to, like, they probably weren't going to, like, really hammer him on follow ups and stuff like that. But they touched on a lot of stuff. Like, that was the first time I've ever heard him, like, directly address the gambling suspension conspiracy theory. Like, there were a bunch of things that they touched on that I did not think that they were going to get to, like, that they would not have gotten to if it was just a straight ad. Like, it obviously was a very complimentary picture of Jordan. It obviously was apologetic for some things that, like, and, like, papered over some things that maybe you could critique him for. But, like, I think they they went hard enough at him that, like, it, it wasn't totally like offensive to me where I'm like, just like, what the hell is this propaganda? <laughs> like it, it was propaganda, but it was subtle propaganda. And so like, and propaganda with some value to it. So I enjoyed it. And it was just honestly, like it was the most normal things i felt in months. Like just getting to like tweet and meme with everyone yeah. again, for like two hours. Like, I don't know if we can just like set up like a movie that Lakers Twitter can watch like every Sunday night for two hours or whatever. <laughs> we just set that time aside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was, it was a ton of fun.
0: It was incredible, and it started PizzaGate, which it, even if the other nine episodes were bad, the birth of PizzaGate made it all
1: worth it. Christian, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna instruct you that you should possibly google pizza gate at some point and uh not sort of this fran- this uh scandal is that ever again <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's what uh i think that's what it's been referred to as no like, over the last nope. few days no,
1: no, no i'm not gonna get into what that okay been, <laughs> no no but, I, uh, okay i'm aware i okay. don't need to
0: google it but uh yeah michael jordan ate a whole pizza
1: yeah we're gonna have to call that something else Pizzagate gate 2 <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: there is another documentary that Basketball fans and NBA fans should be looking forward to you. Uh, don't know if I can say it's in the near future, but earlier this month, or it might have been last month, Baxter Holmes of ESPN confirmed what a lot of us already were kind of suspecting, uh, which is that a Kobe Bryant documentary is on the way, which centers around him and his last season with the Lakers. Uh, like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant had a camera crew follow him around. Uh, with unprecedented access, and I use that in quotation marks because I don't know what unprecedented access means. Like, Especially I don't know for
1: much... the Lakers, and I'm not going to go much further than that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't know how much things have changed since since Michael Jordan's time when it comes to you know, uh, camera crew access, but it, it is, as far as we know, probably a lot of footage that is unearthed, and if you've listened to our podcast over the last month, you'll know that Alex and Alex already did their f- favorite teams that they'd want to see uh, in, a, in a Lakers documentary series. What we're going to do today instead is talk about this Kobe Bryant documentary specifically and what we'd like to see. And as, as much as it's been compared to The Last Dance, Harrison, I think there is a very big difference between Kobe Bryant's last season and Michael Jordan's last season. And I don't think that's a hot take unless you disagree.
1: <laughs> I mean, they both had an incredible game in their final game, really showed what made them a star for the past, like, 20 years or so. And, you know, we're just going to leave it there. That's, uh, I think, I think the season was pretty similar. <laughs> no. <laughs> to, he to, said, it, trying to black, like, that season out of his brain. Like, I, we we I love that we all have decided to have collective amnesia over the first 81 games. Because, like, no, and, like, I don't even say that sarcastically. I don't ever want to think about those first 81 games again either. So, I'm with it. I, uh. I have a uh, bad news for you. Cause that's all we're going to do this pop for the
0: next, uh, 15
1: minutes. That's, that's really
0: all we're going to do to date, which I guess is a good thing. I hope it never happens again. Uh, but to date, Kobe Bryant's last season is the worst season in Lakers franchise history. Uh, they won a total of 17 games, which just seems absolutely insane given where the Lakers are now. Um, in the season before, they won 21 games.
1: I will contend that the season before was worse, even though they had a better record.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because at least that season, the, the 2016, or sorry, 2015-16 season ended with that 16-point game, which is the closest I felt as a Lakers fan to a postseason game in a very long time. <laughs> and I think the good thing was, is that it, it wasn't a close game, or sorry, it wasn't It wasn't a blowout game by any means. Like up until the last few minutes, you just had no idea who's going to win the game. And Kobe Bryant pulled it out had 60 points. It it really was just a vintage Kobe Bryant performance. He left everything he had played on his last, like literally his last leg to pull that, to pull that win out. And whether or not you believe Gordon Hayward helped him get to 60 points and win that game, he's denied it. And I'm going to believe that uh whether yeah, you, i don't
1: believe that he would have done it i, yeah. I honestly don't
0: <laughs> and that whether you choose to believe that julius randall and larry nash jr set illegal screens they very clearly were but it was all worth it i thoroughly enjoyed it
1: yeah and like you know i honestly like i would encourage people to i, I had a lot of fun when we podcasted about that game like about i think it was probably a month ago now um or month and a half i don't know time ceased to have all meaning but like Yeah, I mean, like, I think aside from them having, like, a last game that is worthy of an episode of a documentary series, uh, there were not, as you pointed out before we went on air and in your intro just there, a lot of similarities in these two seasons. And, uh, like, I I think it will be fun to get into a couple of those and try and, like, you know, we can brainstorm today, right now, uh, Last Dance, including the name. We could try and think of a name by the end of this. uh, The Last Dance of Kobe Bryant.
0: Yeah, So the first thing I want to touch on is, of of course, the the season was really, really, really bad. I I cannot stress that enough. And the players themselves weren't inherently interesting because they weren't good. That being said, as somebody that covered the team that season and had an idea of who these players were, which players would you like to see get their own Last Dance-style episodes where – you basically have this hour block devoted to them.
1: (laughs) You know, I I think like automatically the first name that comes to mind and I'm going to pull up this roster right now just to make sure that like I don't because all these years, like they just like all the rebuilding years blend together. But the player that I know was on that team that I 1000% want an episode, if not two episodes on is Jordan Clarkson. Like, (laughs) like we definitely need. like the Jordan Clarkson behind the scenes footage. Like he is hilarious. You started to see it a little bit that year and it really started to blossom like by the next year. And then has like fully come out now. Like I think he just got a little less shy with the media and just started Mm -hmm. letting it fly. But like Jordan Clarkson is hilarious. And like I very much would watch, like honestly he has like a pretty like interesting life story as well. Like from my understanding. And so like I I think the Jordan Clark, as far as like, players on this team you're not going to have a secondary figure that is as worthwhile on like basketball merit of deserving their own episodes as like Rodman or Pippen or like honestly even Kukoc and Kerr really like at least so far um but like you know, the, the Jordan Clarkson episode would be just incredible. Um, just like, you know, the stuff he talked about in the locker room, like getting getting to get a sense of his personality. Him and Lou Williams just planning out trips to the club constantly. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I think Lou Williams is like the other guy there that, you know, very much would, I think, be an exciting Last Dance 2 episode. Um I'm trying to think of like other I mean, obviously we'd get the obligatory episode on D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young's uh, friendship and then downward spiral, I think. Oh, we would wow. get. Um we would get the Snapchat gate episode. Um, a gate <laughs> that we can say on this show and like use. Um so I think those are the ones that I would be the most excited for. And then also, like, you know, we never really, in the last dance, like, I guess we kind of got a Phil episode. Like, they got into him a little bit, but they didn't... I don't think that they really spent as much time on him as the other guys, in my recollection.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they spent, like, a good 25 minutes on his okay, I think, path.
1: I'm, I think it just didn't seem like that much to me, just because Phil's so interesting. I probably yeah. wanted more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... Byron Scott as an NBA head coach is not as accomplished as Phil Jackson. Like I feel like I can like I feel like that goes without saying, but the Byron Scott episode there they like they there were there was camera footage of him like shutting the door to his office as D'Angelo Russell tried to come in for like tutoring. Uh, there was, you know, him like they the, the episode where they go through his day where he like, you know, he starts out, he's picking up Kobe's laundry. He heads to the practice facility. You know, he like makes him breakfast before he gets in there and just like where he's taking care of Kobe's day to day tasks yes. <laughs> during that season um as like his uh like gopher would be like an excellent episode as well i think
0: (laughs) yeah i think within the same vein of jordan clarkson and lou williams i think a nick young episode like the dennis rodman episode where he just leaves to vegas i think would be hilarious i can't even imagine the look on kobe bryant's face if nick young would have told them at the at any point of that season and said man kobe i need a break (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need a I
1: need a vacation in Vegas for a little bit Kobe as we've as we've all learned and we're probably you know suspicious of at that point had like he had gotten all like older and more wizened in his like in his like uh like later years I am not certain that Nick Young would still be with us if he had tried to do that <laughs> <laughs> like between Kobe and Byron like Nick Young like uh, might have been just like out of the league like the Lakers might have am- like Kobe would have probably amnestied him on the spot
0: I mean probably. Yeah. And that was God, I remember the talk leading up to that season about how uh I think it was actually Nick Young who said it that uh Batman needs his robin and how oh, Kobe Lord <laughs>
1: see that's how amazing Nick Young quotes are is like I forget seventy percent of them because there are so many great ones. He
0: a lot of Lakers fans were convinced that him and Kobe were gonna be that that one two punch. That is hilarious. Um, I'm so glad we're so far removed from that era. But yeah, Nick Young would be an interesting one. I think from like a serious standpoint, a ge- episode I would be genuinely interested in if they did bounce between timelines like the last Dance did, which honestly would would be the only way. I think you could successfully pull off this documentary yeah, without it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's much less compelling <laughs> present day footage from that season. Um, As far as, so yeah, they would, I mean, there'd probably be like multiple episodes where they were going through just Kobe's history. Like they were yeah. with Jordan as well, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I know, I know Kobe had his own documentary that he put out. Um, What is it called? Muse? Muse. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. and uh, And on that topic, the player I'd be honestly interested in seeing, even though he has his own documentary already, is MetaWorld Peace. Yeah. because I was
1: gonna say, yeah.
0: Metaworld Peace was, or you know, Ron Artest, whatever you want to call him, um, was there with Kobe Bryant during that championship run in 2010, uh and, and the years after that. Saw him when he was at his hungriest, when he wanted to win at at all costs. And he also got to see him during his last season and, and what that was like. So I think of all the players on the roster, other than Byron Scott, who played with Kobe, I believe only for Kobe's rookie season. It was season. Kobe's rookie season. Yeah. yeah. Seeing those two guys talk about Kobe and how much he had changed from, you know, the time they spent with him to his last, I think would be really compelling. And I, at least I, I can't speak much about Byron Scott, but Metal World Peace has a really compelling story on his own. So that is an episode I know would do really well. Um, Can you think of anybody else that had that special relationship with Kobe?
1: Yeah, on that team, not really. I, I mean, like, I, and I was joking before, but Byron honestly would be a great voice for this documentary yeah. because him and Kobe were actually close um, and like like so close that it was really just not a player coach relationship at all, which is what I was making light of. But yeah, yeah. like By- Byron would be a great voice for this documentary as far as like the, the Kobe's progression through the years. I think meta World Peace, like seeing what it was like playing with Kobe during a title and then to that point would be able to offer some great perspective, like you said, as far as other guys on the team to get an episode like i don't think so like you know maybe if d'angelo russell like you know sets his career on like multiple time all-star status or something like he'll warrant one at that point because it'll be like okay how did this guy kind of not last in la and people will be asking that by that point because you got to remember it'll probably be like 10 or 15 years down the line that will get the thing um and so like if d'angelo russell's had like a Maybe not a Hall of Fame career, but close to that at that point, there will probably be an episode on him, although, like, that's not the most interesting one to me out of these guys. Uh, Robert Sacre would not get an episode, but he would be, like—like, I don't know if it's a stretch to say he would be the Carmen Electra of this version of Last Dance, (laughs) like— like, he would be the per-minute MVP, because Robert Sacre is already an incredible quote. He is as unfiltered as NBA players come, and I think that he would be the one that, like, you know, like, we, we were getting a lot of gems during that from, like, Carmen Electro. We got a lot from... Um, the security uh, guy. Yeah, the security, like like there would be like as far as like the per minute interview MVPs or the soundbite MVPs, Robert Sakurai would be up there. Like when they did the episode on Kobe Bryant's like practice trash talk or something like Sakurai would be the one giving us like the most unfiltered version, I think, on that team by that point.
0: Yeah, and I think Jeremy Lin would probably have the most stories. I mean, some of them already started leaking out. and They're God, but they're so critically funny.
1: not on that team. He was yeah. Uh, he <laughs> not. Yeah, before. not on that
0: team. But yeah, like I said, if if they jump, if they jump back and forth between that whole era, his whole career, I'm sure there is no shortage of stories. Of Kobe Bryant telling people things you should just never say to a teammate. Well, so
1: that's that's what I was gonna say as far as differences in this documentary. Like w- one of the things that I didn't like, like unless you had other guys that you wanted to hit on, like uh, like talk about specifically from this team. But yeah, like one of the things that I. Like you know, I thought was a little bit overhyped about this documentary going in. Was like all the behind the scenes footage that we had never seen before. Like some of it was cool, and it obviously helped a lot visually, as far as giving stuff on the uh, on the screen. Like when you're telling a lot of these stories, there's like at least something going on. But I I thought it was overhyped a little bit, as far as like what kind of unprecedented access we were getting to those Bulls teams. And I'm sure there's tons of stuff that we'll get in like 40 years. You know, that's like the uncut uncut version of the last dance and it's just like mj just destroying scott burrell daily for like three episodes (laughs) um but like the one that i I would be excited to see like a more uncut version of some of the behind the scenes footage like i want a whole episode like you don't even need interviews during it of like just the best moments from kobe scrimmaging against his team while like there are mics in the building and stuff like that and the stuff that he's saying to guys, because I think that would be an incredible episode and like, give us like kind of an unfiltered look into what it's actually like to be out there on the floor and what it was like to be out there competing against Kobe. Like even that lessened version of him and the kind of like slowed down version, as far as like, you know, he probably was not trash talking as much that season as he had in like earlier on in his career. But like, I'm sure he still said some extremely mean things to D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young. And like, you know, I, for one, am excited to hear them on, like, the stories that Lou Williams and Nick have given us already. Like, I I want video of the moment that Kobe threw Nick Young's shoes in the trash when he tried to get them to sign him. (laughs) I I want the post-game diatribe where he threw everyone's Kobe's in the trash and said they were not allowed to wear them anymore. Like, I I think... You know, obviously, this one is going to be a little different in the Jordan than the Jordan one in that it's going to be more somber in tone because Kobe is no longer with us. But the other side of that is like, you know, Kobe is not going to be controlling the final product as much. And so we might get a little bit more of this unfiltered, like, full picture of what he was actually like rather than the Jordan where it's like, yeah, like, he was an asshole, but uh, it brought the best out of us. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think people will find that – there are going to be a lot of similarities between the Kobe and Michael docs just because of the type of characters they are, especially as competitors, not even off the court, just yeah. as competitors. They're so similar because um, Kobe Bryant was such a huge fan of Michael's, obviously. And that is what I am looking forward to most is is those stories uh, from people that competed against him, uh, people that they knew. Like people that knew that Kobe hated them, which is another part to the story that I'm really interested to see. And I'm curious as to whether you think there are any players that stand out as just rivals of Kobe Bryant um, that would give an interesting interview about how hard it was to compete against him or um, how strained their relationship was.
1: You know, it's interesting because it's it is similar to Michael in this vein in that, like, he just didn't have rivals like yeah. in the sense of like like not in the traditional sense that we always think about, like magic versus bird and that kind of thing. Like just because like both of them were so far above everyone else, like not necessarily even just talent wise, but just as competitors, like they're not the kind of guys that people were going to go at, like outside of your like ill-advised trash talk, like from uh, from Byron Russell, like they're, like of the jazz. <laughs> (laughs) or whatever, that like, leads to, like, a personal vendetta. Like, we get a lot of those stories of, like, Kobe creating rivalries for himself because of a perceived slight, either from outside the team, from someone on the other team or whatever. Like, I think we get a lot of those stories. But as far as rivals, like, I don't know, like, the one that comes to mind that, like, I think came kind of the closest as far as, like, an on-court one is Paul Pierce, just because they played... Similar positions, they would guard each other sometimes, and like those Lakers and Celtics hated each other for that three year stretch, where and probably longer, um, where they were playing in the finals every other year, like, where they played in the 08 and 2010 finals. Like, I think he would be an interesting one to go to, and like, I'd honestly just like to hear from a lot of the guys that Kobe lit up, and I think, like, because like, like there's going to be less of a reticence to like talk him up and stuff than I think there was from some of Jordan's contemporaries who like you know Jordan's still with us like and like they were not going to let him get one more over on them but like with Kobe you know we've seen like a lot already since he passed away and again like this sucks this is not like a plus of the documentary but it is a difference Yeah. in that like since he passed away I think you've seen a lot more guys willing to make fun of themselves and talk about times that Kobe got one over on them because now it's like it's a fond memory for them they wish that he was still here to do that. And so I think that you'll get more unfiltered honesty in that sense from all of those guys that he created grudges against, whether they were like a traditional rival or not. Like, I think that we're going to get a lot of those stories of the times that he really lit into guys or tried to go at them specifically. And they're going to be a lot more honest about it.
0: Yeah. The only other guy I can think of is Tracy McGrady. And not, only, not even because they didn't like each other. I think Kobe Bryant just had such a respect for Tracy McGrady as a player. Um, that I think, and and they had a pretty close relationship, from what I understand too. That he's he's a an interview I'd I'd be really interested.
1: Shane Battier and and Meta are honestly also answers here. Yeah, yeah. like. Because be they were guys that like tried to guard him as well, like especially like Shane really like basically made his brand name on being the guy that like tried to stop Kobe yeah. sometimes. So like I think we like he would be a good one. Meadow would be a good one from all the battles that they had before he was a Laker, Um, you know, like there are guys out there for sure. But as far as like, you know, like people tried to force the Kobe LeBron rivalry, but it just never really happened. Like, I you know, I think that they probably considered themselves like a little bit of like competing for the top of the league, but they just there weren't those games and like moments where it happened organically on the court
0: yeah the last question I have for you um is and I'm, I'm trying to phrase this correctly to, to in an effort to not confuse you who would get the Kobe Bryant episode of the last dance and Kobe Bryant's in Kobe Bryant's documentary like is there any one player that stands guy. out where Kobe passed the torch to during his player career?
1: So – not really. I don't think so. Like, I, I think that there were guys he tried to, especially like in retirement, you know, like there was um, like Isaiah Thomas was a guy that he really tried to like seemed to go out of his way to mentor over the last several years of his career. And then after retirement, especially. Uh, but, you know, obviously Isaiah through no fault of his own and just through the, those like compounding injuries never really became that guy. And like the next one, like I, I think Clay Thompson is a compelling candidate in some ways because he grew up playing against kobe like and i think like i don't know how close they were or how often they talked or like what that mentorship was like if it really even was something beyond clay playing in a pickup game against him a couple times when he was younger like i, I think uh, we saw that luca went to go work out with kobe and like is a pretty big kobe fan so like maybe he's the guy that ends up being that i think there's a chance that like We don't get it from like one specific next star, but that we get it from all of the young guys on that roster talking about how Kobe tried to mentor them Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, help them become what they ultimately were. But I'm just not sure that we're going to get it. I mean, honestly, like it's not in the same way in like at all, because they actually like. They peaked at similar times, but LeBron is kind of one like we know that Kobe went to like his high school games and like saw him and like met him after NBA games. Like obviously it was not a mentorship in the big brother, little brother way that MJ and Kobe were. But we've seen how much reverence LeBron has for Kobe since he passed, like getting the tattoo, the way that he talked about him in the days afterwards. Like it honestly might be LeBron, like LeBron might be the guy thinking about it.
0: I think you're absolutely right, and I I don't want to read into to things I don't know about, but just from, from seeing what I've seen um, between Le- LeBron James and Michael Jordan, it just seems that connection and that relationship was never there the same way that Michael and Kobe was, and I don't know if that has to do with the fact that Michael and Kobe actually played together, but it's clear... LeBron James is as big of a fan as, uh, as of Michael Jordan as Kobe Bryant was. It's just I don't think that relationship with their, was there. So I think he went to the next best thing after Michael Jordan, which was Kobe Bryant. And, of course, they played together. Uh, I think their relationship is, is probably strong. And as we found out in Kobe Bryant's death, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant were closer than a lot of people thought. And it was interesting to see if that was the same case with... Uh, LeBron and Kobe the other player I'd be interested in seeing is Kyrie Irving because yes,
1: actually he's a great one I-, I can't believe I forgot about him
0: Kyrie Irving would be incredible just because I, from what we know that was Kobe's guy even if their peaks didn't exactly uh, overlap at all uh, it just seems watching the way Kyrie plays obviously Kyrie's shorter and you know handles the ball a little bit more than Kobe Bryant uh, but that admiration and respect is definitely there. And whether or not Kyrie, you can argue Kyrie Irving has the torch, um, I think from a personal level, that interview and, and those stories would probably be as personal as anybody's in the documentary.
1: Yeah, you can see the Kyrie influence in Kobe's game, if not aesthetically, like it's (laughs) there stylistically, like in the sense of like the way that they try to dominate as far as like like they want to take the last shot. They want to be the guy they they are not afraid to clash with, you know, the star that is better than them at the time because they want their own team, that kind of thing. Like, I think that in mentality and in like like there were a lot of similarity and like Kyrie, like he he's a jo- he becomes the butt of jokes a lot and like sometimes deservedly so for like the flat earther stuff but Like he is someone who is intellectually curious about things beyond the game. And like, we learned about like a lot about how much that was like a thing for Kobe, even though like during his career, it was not as well known and things like that. But as it started to wind down, and this would probably be a theme of Kobe's last dance is him starting to get into entertainment and things like that as his career was winding down, not just after it happened. And so Kyrie is a guy that like very clearly has off court pursuits as well. And so like, I I think he would be a great one
0: and i oh man just talking about this is is getting me excited about seeing it um luckily we have a few more documentaries to hold off hold us off until then i know they got that bruce lee one coming out in june which i'm really really excited about um so yeah that's uh that's really our show for today unless you have any parting thoughts harrison
1: uh, no, I, I don't really, uh, I, I got nothing today. So it's, uh, it's weird. It's like, since you learned to ask me that, like I had learned that you weren't going to ask me that. So I was just getting them all out and you know, that's synergy, baby. Eventually we're going to like <laughs> figure it out and it'll be like nonverbal cues.
0: We are the Shaq and Kobe of Lakers podcast.
1: Yeah. So you're, so what you're saying is you're going to demand a trade eventually. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. I need, I, I need my own team. <laughs> so
0: the, <laughs> either boot you out or uh, or something's gonna happen anyway uh thanks for listening guys uh if if you enjoyed this episode or any other episodes we do uh, go ahead and leave us a nice little review on podcasts um and yeah you'll you'll hear from us again next week